Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Hello and welcome to the Two My Sisters podcast. I'm Courtney. And I'm Renee and we are your online big sisters and hosts of the Two My Sisters podcast. We are all about promoting the wellness, growth and development of a community of sisters across the world. And in today's episode, we're going to be talking about addiction. Seeking a high and the desire to feel good is as old as time itself. The things we overindulge in are often swept under the rug and only happen behind closed doors. However, in a generation fueled by excess sex, drugs, food, alcohol, and more, how do we acknowledge, deal, and overcome addiction? All right, Miss Courtney. Hello. We are back. We are back at it again with yet another episode. Exciting. And today we're dealing with a heavy one. We really are. This is one close to my heart. I know, man. I know. And it's one that's also been heavily requested by the sisters. We see you giving us feedback. We really do. And we appreciate it. And yeah, today we're going to be talking about addiction. So the first thing I want to touch on Mm. is... Have you ever dealt with addiction? And if so, could you tell us about your journey? Sure thing. You know this was a trap question because I already knew. You know this is a trap question. Um, so yes, I have. And I have done a YouTube video on it actually about a year, just under a year ago, mm. uh, where I went into explaining my pornography addiction. And this is actually something that we have touched on before in our Let's Talk About Sex episode from season one. Mm. Um, but I started watching pornography online pornography when I was 10 years old and it became a growing habit as I got older um till about I would say 18 years old Mm. when I started to realize you know what this is this is a problem um this is something that I'm heavily dependent on and it was actually when I uh turned 18 well not when I turned 18 it was whilst I was 18 years old starting university that I started my faith journey and I think in understanding that I have a very unhealthy dependence on something which isn't God Mm. or I have a very unhealthy um addiction which is framing the way I view relationships and is actually damaging the way I view relationships that was the trigger for me to be like you know what I actually need to stop um and I need to find a healthier I mean, up until that point, like I said, I had been watching porn since I was 10 years old. So it pretty much was my entire framework for how I understood sex and relationships Mm. and intimacy, Um, especially on top of that, coming from like having some traumatic experiences, um, having some very, you know, interesting experiences with families and and growing up. Um, It was just kind of that not that cherry on top but that extra layer of dysfunction Mm. um in terms of my view of men view of myself um, and it started to affect my self-esteem as well which I think I'll I'll get into but for me having a pornography addiction it was probably the most unhealthy most toxic thing that has happened to me in my life um and yeah when I turned 18 I started to go on a journey where it's like okay let me detach myself let me detach myself from this dependence and start to really walk through why this this addiction formed in the first place Mm. um because I started to realize okay whilst people don't really talk a lot about watching pornography especially women right yeah but 
I feel like this is something that a lot of people are going through and people just don't say exactly. So um, like even for example with you, like I never knew you watched porn until we did our less talk Mm. about sex episode. So I feel like it's- Yeah, 100%. I never knew. So I feel like it's one of those things that's kind of like- I can't be the only one because yeah. obviously you see the numbers that porn does. You see like it's around and even like the the sexual nature of normal romantic movies, sex is around, but it's nothing you really discuss. Like mm. you don't bring it up with people that, oh, I watch porn on a regular, unless you really like freaky deaky, <laughs> like you just, you're just out there and like very sexually open yeah. with your, with your experiences, which at, at the time growing up, I was not. So for me, it was like, I don't know who to go to so I can deal with this, but I know it's something that I really need to deal with. Um, so I went on a journey for about two years, um, just really trying to understand pornography, mm. how I became attached to it, how pornography actually works, understanding the porn industry, the psychology behind addictions. Um, and it was a lot of just, you know, self-learning and stuff, but it was a, it was a beautiful journey. It was painful at times. Yeah. Um, and it's definitely something that I still am very conscious of in, in the things that I intake and the, the media that I consume, because I think porn is becoming, especially soft porn is yeah. a lot more accessible. Now you go mm. on Netflix, sex scene, you know, and it's like, did this scene even help the plot of the story? Mm. No, mm. but sex I'm sells, screaming. right? So sex is really everywhere. So I have to be careful of like my triggers and not overestimating myself mm. in thinking that, oh, it's been a couple of years now since I've watched it. It's not going to have any effect on me because at the end of the day, I do still have a libido. I still do have a sex drive. So I have to pay attention to that. Mm. But that was that was my pornography addiction. Um, I think I also have like I had rather an addiction to eating. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think like just that sensation of eating i don't think food is addictive i think eating is like i think that um especially if you formed an emotional attachment to food and like you know you've had a successful day i'm gonna treat myself to food you've had a bad day let Mm -hmm. me buy some food Mm -hmm. you're having a you're bored let me eat and Mm -hmm. so you kind of form this uh bad relationship with food where food is no longer about nutrition Mm -hmm. and sustenance it's more about emotions and comfort and feeling like someone is there for you or feeling like you have something to do Mm. um and evoking these past feelings of like joy or comforting your failure or whatever it is so I feel like I've also had to unlearn that's been a more recent one I've had to also unlearn my relationship with food and like relearn what a healthy relationship with food actually looks like but that's mine how about you Wow, um, thanks for sharing this, Courtney. Um, that was super, super enlightening. I didn't know that you didn't know about, you know, the porn I thing. I didn't have a clue. The porn thing. I, I would have thought that you would have a, like, sometimes I'd be... Nah, because I'd I be, feel like you're... This is the thing about addictions, right? Yeah. People think people who are addicted are a mess. Yeah. Like, <laughs> they think, when you think about addictions... Shaking. Yeah, literally, you think of people who are on, like, crack. Yeah. Do you get what I mean? So they, they can't live without it. Yeah, yeah. They can't, all of that. But I think even going to university is what reframed my mind mm-hmm. about addictions. Because you, universities here in the UK, and to be honest, anywhere, have a heavy drinking culture. Yeah. And you, yeah, yeah. you mm-hmm. start to see a lot of people, because I don't drink, right? But I think for me... I was looking from the outside in and seeing you guys drink more than just socially. Like this is, you drink. Do you know what I mean? Um, And and having grown up um, seeing alcoholism in my childhood, I knew knew how to recognize that. Mm. Like, and that for me was like, you know what? 
we're at you know this elite institution and people must think we're the ones who have it all together mm. but you're you know chugging down like units every single mm. day and you can't function without it um so with your case it was just like in my head it's not that like you're this infallible infallible person yeah but i think you you kind of think especially if you're dealing with the same thing you think this is a dirty secret and yeah. i can't imagine someone else having that kind of dirty secret if that makes sense yeah um but when i when you when you were speaking about it i was kind of like this is so amazing because obviously the podcast is all about transparent conversation mm. so i feel like it brought us closer in that mm. sense of i understood not even I understood you more, but it was just like, oh, there's another place where we have this commonality where yeah. you're more than just a support for me, but you're someone who's also gone through it. Yeah, so exactly. yeah, talk to us, ma'am. Yeah, so in terms of addictions, I think I would describe myself as a cyclical addict. Ooh. In that there are certain, oh, it's going to sound super, what do you call it? Unnecessarily philosophical. Okay. But there's certain seasons of your life where you'll lean into something else mm. as your like comfort and support. And... For me, there was a period of my, a period of my life where that was sex and pornography. Right. So it wasn't even just the pornography thing, but it was also the fact that because I was sexually active mm. with my then partner, mm. they fed into each other right. like crazy. And this is not to demonize sex. This is not to demonize relationships or if you are somebody that watches porn, but there's something... The, the problem with addiction is the dopamine hit, right? Yeah. It gives you an excess of dopamine, which yeah. is, you know, the happy feeling and all that kind of good stuff. But the crash that comes as a result afterwards mm-hmm. when you've given yourself too much dopamine mm-hmm. is the problem of addiction, yeah. right? It's, okay, I felt this way and now I can't function because I know what this feels like yeah. and I want to feel like that all the time. Yeah. And that's not what life is like. So yeah. for a season of my life, it was definitely... Um, sex and pornography mm. and then i also have have had the um addiction to eating mm, i think more and of us have I'm, it than we know listen it, goodness me and it always makes me remember that time in university <laughs> <laughs> wow we could just start laughing no, all that, over again that, that story the overeating <laughs> Jesus, we were actual Listen, pigs. To... <laughs> but in like it, it's it, we can laugh about it now, but at the time it was so sad. No, do you know what? Like we had we had gone through when it came to eating because, as you said, there was an attachment to yeah. food with gratification. Yeah, and for me that also stemmed from my childhood because mm. I food was always seen as a form of form of love right because in my case when you grow up with scarcity mm. when you do have like treats it would often be like essential stuff yeah. like food yeah. so for me it was like okay food is love or like yeah. food is something that makes me feel good about right. myself um so yeah i had a period of time where i was addicted to that and the funny thing about that was it then became an addiction to exercise mm. so because i had hit a point in my life where i was kind of like i was unhappy with the way that i looked and yeah. dealt and stuff it went in reverse and i was kind of doing everything in my power to be skinny right so i was exercising unreasonably like ridiculous amount of wow. hours like i would literally wake up at flipping four or five a.m to go wow. and exercise to go and do like a run or whatnot just to make it make myself feel happy yeah. or like feel yeah. that endorphin rush that you yeah. get with exercise so also went through that like phase of my life um yeah those are i would say the three main addictions that i have struggled with in the mm. past um and 
it's been tight because like you said, the problem with addiction is mm-hmm. it can make you feel as though you're the only person dealing with it. 100%. And there's something wrong with you because 100%. people aren't transparent about the fact that they're going through it. Yeah. Especially when it's something like, let's take porn and sex, right? Yeah. As women, these are often feel, seen as dirty things. 100% or things that men struggle things with. Things that men struggle with. So when you say that, oh, I've, you know, I've watched porn mm. or like, I like sex, like a bit excessively yeah there's something wrong with you like yeah. you're a sexual deviant yeah. or like you have genuine psychological problems yeah. whereas for men less so it's kind of like oh it's wired into their hard brain they're struggling yeah. with it but it's not as big a deal as yeah or it's know. just a part of masculinity exactly exactly so the feeling of loneliness that can mm. occur as a result of dealing with an addiction is mm-hmm. not nice yeah um, and these things intensify depending on what kind of addiction it is. So there's the sex, mm. but then if you're someone that deals with, you know, drugs, for example, yeah. the fact that you f- may feel like you're the only person going through it, or yeah. if it's an alcoholism problem, you feel like you're the only like person going through it. Yeah. And I think it's also important to note that addiction doesn't have to be an addiction to things that are like bad for you. It can also mm. be an addiction to things that are good for mm. you or things that you wouldn't expect, right? Yeah. You might be or even intangible things really you might be addicted to um, social media social media that's a really good one you might be addicted to manipulating people it's not necessarily exactly it's not necessarily the stimulus or the thing yeah it's more so how do you like what is your engagement with the thing what's your relationship like to it yeah how does Um, it make you feel how does it make you you feel How does it make you feel yeah i think what's interesting about what you said is i think there's also a, a subset of people with um addictions who like I was saying about the alcoholism at university you might not know you have a very unhealthy dependence Mm. or addiction because what you're addicted to or dependent on is socially accepted in your circle Mm. and I think I see it a lot with alcohol and like cannabis yeah yeah I think a lot of people whilst you can sit there and you can debate whether cannabis is addictive or not ask somebody who smokes to stop I feel like that's always the marker, right? People can say, oh, this thing is not addictive, then stop and Mm, see mm, if you can, mm, right? That's That's how you'll know if you're addicted or not. But I think there's a situation where in certain cultures, like I know for me growing up around um, a lot of boys who were in gangs and stuff like that, Mm. um, or even like you can throw it back to like our uncles and like family members, right? Drinking is something that you do. It might be socially, like you might not do it on your own. Yeah. But when you get around people, you do it to a point of excess. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Or you constantly feel like because they're doing it, I'll do it. And this becomes a a part of how we interact with each other. Mm -hmm. And before you realize it, you actually can't function in those social settings without it. Right. So that's another unhealthy dependence. And I think it's it's a struggle for some people to recognize mm. that that's an addiction because they feel like, but this is just what we do. Like, yeah. this is just a part of the, our it's culture. Normalized, it's yeah. normalized. Like, this is, this is what we do. And I think I saw it a lot sometimes growing up and seeing how family members would just get together and just drink, like, and be drinking. <laughs> be drinking, <laughs> um, drinking. Or, you know, like, like I was saying with past um, friends and people I grew up with, just... Yeah how high they would get um, just to be around each other. And, and it was just a part of the banter and how they bonded and just deep in that 
a lot of us may have addictions, but not know it's an addiction because we grew up or we were around people who make us feel like this is totally normal. And in fact, to be accepted into this subset or into this subgroup, you must participate in this, right? Mm. That's another challenge in itself. Yeah. So Courtney, Mm -hmm. why is addiction such a big problem in our generation in particular? I think one, a lot of us don't realize that it's an addiction. Mm. I think also the things that we engage with, most addictions, the reason why people engage with them is because they're they're escapes. They're forms of escapes from many different things, trauma, Mm -hmm. just stress. Um, And I think a lot of us, especially in a generation where... The, there's a huge rise in anxiety. Yeah. Not just because, oh, we now like have this culture which is very sensitive to those who are anxious, but also because I think forms of like things that have happened in the world, I think also like accessibility to disasters that happen worldwide, mm-hmm. like constantly being conscious of all the things that are going wrong, mm-hmm. climate change, terrorism, wars, we're in a pandemic, like all these things that we're going through, as well as like as a generation, then having to figure out your own life, mm-hmm. navigate, you know, being second generation immigrants and what that has, what that means to the diaspora or navigating um, your own life circumstances, even if you're not an ethnic minority, um, realizing who you are as a young person today, right? That's a lot of stress. And I think a lot of people have to escape from those stressful situations in some way. Mm -hmm. So you could be addicted to like video gaming or Mm -hmm. addicted to um, constantly being on your phone and scrolling or, you know, not, maybe this is not an addiction, but constantly have to have people around you. Like you're scared of your own company. I think some people form very unhealthy dependencies on, on people or on things. Um, to escape some of the pressures of life. And I think also, for example, with pornography, I think access, ready access to the internet that can often go unregulated is a massive problem, like a massive problem. Um, Because you're, depending on the sort of background you come from, whether your parents are tech savvy, whether they were even present enough, Mm. um, not because they were bad parents, but maybe because they were always working, could they check on your internet usage, Mm. you know, and and see the things that you're exploring and the things that you're giving your attention to? Mm. I resonate strongly with a lot of the points that you said. And one thing that I would add kind of like on the flip side is, I feel like we're also a microwave popcorn generation Mm. and that we're very much about instant gratification. Mm. Our attention spans are a lot shorter. Um, We feel the need to, again, get that dopamine hit as much as we can by any means necessary because we're so used to getting what we want when we want whenever we want Mm. that ready access as you said the thought of not being able to like pleasure yourself in whatever it is is ridiculous Mm. like it's literally you can access it so easily and not having to go through you know the struggle of having to you know have a meaningful relationship to get sex for example or access pornography or um having to whatever it is, if you're addicted to like alcohol, for example, not having to go through a whole process of having to access those kind of things. The fact that we've cut down on the process so much because we are a generation of efficiency, Mm. it seems almost ludicrous to have to contend with things like discipline and delayed gratification. I think delayed gratification is a lost art in our generation. We don't know how to wait. That's what I was going to say. Because I feel as though 
things are actually constructed that way though. Yeah. Like if you think about what we were saying about pornography. Yeah. Think of how, if you wanted to be addicted to pornography before, you had to make a lot of trips to the video store, oh. right? <laughs> or you had to you had to buy up a whole bunch of magazines and then oh think about gosh. how to hide them and all. It's not the to say stress. it was impossible to have an addiction, <laughs> but like you have to be like oh. committed to Those this cassettes course. and everything. 100%, right? Boy. But in our generation, now nah, you just need to have a phone. Yeah. You just 100%. need to have Wi-Fi. You just need 100%. to have an internet connection. Or with food, right? Mm. Bef- maybe a hundred years ago, how can you have an addiction to food? You ain't got money for that. You've We've got our rations. Do you get what I mean? We've I'm got screaming. our amounts. But now it's like, you go and do your weekly shop. You have food all the time. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have food in your house, you can order food yeah. or you can go out to a takeaway and get food. Um, or even with social media, it's mm-hmm. become easier to just scroll and scroll because they need you to keep feeding into mm-hmm. it. Um, and, and they need you to keep scrolling. So mm-hmm. these things, society is kind of shifting, especially with capitalism. And this is something that we need to pay close attention to, particularly in the porn industry, but also with social media Um, and just generally with capitalistic models, which are exploitative. Addiction in some way is a huge part of the business model because people need to keep coming back with pornography. The reason why it's like, why is it so easily easy to access these really dangerous things because it's profitable. hundred. It, it's it's they need you to be able to access it easily. Yeah. Um, and they need you to be to feel like you need to keep coming back. So the mm-hmm. way things are constructed, the the way things are set and put together, the writing, the composure, the access to the videos, the, the way the websites are navigated, they all appeal to that fact that you need to keep coming back. Mm-hmm. So even when we look at like fast food chain models or, and the ingredients they use in their food or how accessible they are with the franchise model, mm-hmm. you start to realize that society is actually structured for you to get hooked on certain things and to keep coming back and feeding into it. So I think it, it's it's also, you know, the convenience aspect, mm. but then you become dependent on the convenience, yeah. right? It's so true. It's so true. Because yeah. I think of things like clothes, for example, or anything that's particularly considered materialistic, mm. right? The fact that, as you said, Uber Eats is a thing. Yeah. Like, if I'm hungry, I can order food. It will be here within yeah. 20 minutes. If I want clothes, next day delivery. Amazon Prime, whatever I want, yeah. next day delivery. Yeah. How hard is it in a capitalist state to stave away from addiction? Mm. And to tell yourself no. To te- that's, look, I've even got a throwaway question for you. Go on. Is willpower enough? To deal with addiction. Is willpower enough to stay with? Nah. Because you know people will be out here capping. Like, nah. They'll really be out here saying, you know, like, I can, if I want to, if you can do it. Like, if I if I decide to do it, then I can do it. You I know can what? break away. I feel like that's why the faith thing matters to me. Okay. Because I genuinely think you can't. No matter how much you tell yourself, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. And you think you have the willpower to do it. I think the issue and why that's dangerous is... What about the day where you disappoint yourself? That will shatter your self-trust completely. Mm. Willpower is great, but until you find out the root reasons why you're this way and you keep returning to these things, it will never truly be dealt with. You'll just find yourself, yeah, you'll despise this thing that you used to do. Like, oh, I I hate watching porn and I hate anything to do with it. But then you'll form another form of addiction in in any other way, thinking that that's okay, you know? So it's not just about 
shifting your focus or you know misplacing your addiction <laughs> that is actually about forming a completely transformed habit yeah yeah how about you though i hear that i think willpower goes a certain way mm. i think it can take you pretty far down. pretty far pretty 100. far down if you set your mind to something and you're the kind of person that is very stubborn mm. i think it can take you somewhere mm. along the journey mm. however I would say habit formation is also really important. Yeah. And environmental factors. Yes. Making it difficult for you to fall back into addiction. Mm. I love what you said about unlearning because oftentimes we jump so quickly into, oh, I've got an addiction to deal with it. I need to do something new. Like I need to basically overwrite a script that's already existed. Right. But in order for you to really deal with addiction, at least in my um, opinion, you need to wipe the slate clean yeah. as much as possible yeah. and write a new script right? and reprogram yourself to do the things that you want yourself to do. Yeah. Especially like, this is a principle that we use in things like exercise or eating and stuff like mm. that. It's not about like adding, it's actually about taking away. That's so look, so what, are the, what are the areas that we can take away in order to make sure that you're dealing with this addiction? Mm. Um, but yeah, habit formation and environmental factors. And by what I mean by this is, and diet is a really good example. It is easier for you to overcome an addiction to chocolate if the chocolate is not in the room in the yeah. first place. Yeah. Some of us are putting ourselves in harm's way by allowing temptation to be around us. Yeah. Saying that, you know, willpower is going to get me this through. This is it. When really environmentally if the chocolate is hard for you to get yeah then you're going to be less compelled to try and yeah. get it anyway and that's that's why i was saying like sometimes that belief that oh i've got the willpower and it's enough isn't true it's not. because why would you keep testing yourself on that right and also why would you set yourself up to fail exactly. and i think that's where a lot of people keep going wrong because yeah. their idea is i can hold myself from doing it it's like when people say oh, i'm trying to stay celibate but when your boyfriend comes over why are you shaving what what is the need <laughs> it, it's like a lot of us oh miss courtney you did not have to go there for the <laughs> girls no or oh like, my god or like you know i'm on a diet and I'm, like you're saying with this example i'm on a diet but yeah. every time you go to the shop you're buying stuff and putting it in your house with the idea that oh but if i get a craving i'll be able to beat it i think we underestimate those moments when you're actually desperate for something how far you'll go people think that like and that's why when people are like oh what's the practical tips to go to get out of an addiction yeah those things sometimes didn't work for me because yeah. okay put a child lock on your phone do you know how quick i can take that off it's my phone it's my phone <laughs> <laughs> do you get what i mean it's, like, my, it's my property like just put the take i the even know the password off. exactly so it's like, okay, whilst those can be um, prompts yeah. to tell you to stop, yeah. in that moment of desperation or in that moment of desire and like extremely heightened desire, mm-hmm. willpower isn't enough. You have to completely like just limit your entire, your enti- like your entire access to these yeah. things um, in the in the best way that you can and not overestimate your own willpower. Because you may have a desire to change and be free from your addiction, but don't also underestimate the the power of how addicted you are. Mm. So I want to come back and touch on a point that I think is really pertinent for our listeners in particular. Mm. And that's dealing with addiction specifically as a woman. Right. 
because we've already touched on it earlier on in the episode about the fact that for women, addiction can sometimes feel a bit different. Yeah. Particularly when it is, for example, a sexual addiction Mm -hmm. or addiction that we associate with masculinity or men. Mm. Um, It would be interesting to hear your thoughts on dealing with addiction as a woman. Mm. Should there be any differences um, what are the kind of like key issues that women face when it comes mm. to dealing with addiction as a woman? Yeah, I think, um, I don't think there's that many key differences in the practical elements or in like the actual stages of dealing with an addiction. But I do think one thing to really emphasize is don't be shamed into keeping this to yourself. Mm. I think that men can form these accountability groups where it's like, yeah, this is an embarrassing thing to say. And whilst I feel like, you know, I'm embarrassed to say it. I can actually go to a men's accountability group or I can go to a mentor and kind of have this comfort that they've probably dealt with this before, like coming into puberty and understanding masculinity and all of that. Whereas with us, because for hundreds of years, femininity has been framed by, you know, purity culture or, um, being Mm. extremely, uh, prude prudish and things like that um it can feel very like even if i was to go to another woman she'll probably judge me yeah right so it's not just about going out there to the world and this is what i'm going through but if i do go and seek help from a particular person even if i trust them they're probably gonna look at me and think oh wow this is crazy yeah um so i think don't have shame in in the fact that you should go and seek out for help and find it in a trusted person um, and or a trusted group of people mm. who you know will be sensitive to this issue and that you can confide in, confide in with transparency. And I think that's why sisterhood is so important. Finding people in your life who won't judge you and will see you as a person, yes, with a struggle, but also with a story mm. and somebody who they are invested in to want to help be free from this issue. But I think the practical elements of being um, freed from an addiction, I think specifically for women is understand your body. Mm. Is your food addiction triggered by your PMS, for example? Or like, you know, know your period is about to come. Because I know for me, like when it's about my time of the month, I just want to eat any and everything inside. I just want to eat, right? I know that's right. And even after my cycle, that can then trickle down and like kind of, uh, snowball into an effect of like I'm just eating everything even though it's not hormonally triggered mm-hmm. I'm still eating loads so understanding okay if there is a day where I'm like oh I'm eating a lot more than usual do I continue to feed into that or do I identify the trigger like is it because it's a home home hormonal thing is it an emotional thing should I deal with this emotional thing in a different way um is it uh, with porn similarly with the hormones you know first of all understand your body do I just have a very high sex drive how do I then deal with that practically mm. um secondly is this again a hormones thing you know our bodies are programmed for procreation yeah. you know in the sense that we want to continue the human race <laughs> so your body's gonna be like sis we have one egg this listen, month oh, get it fertilized i know you said oh listen ovulation i know <laughs> you sisters know what we're talking about exactly around ovulation Mm-mm. exactly but the thing is if you don't understand and this is not to say use it as an excuse but yeah. this is more so to say okay if that is your trigger i think it makes you feel a, li- a little less crazy mm-hmm. when you understand mm-hmm. oh, okay that's just my hormone 
raging, you know, yeah, because it's yeah. over ovulation time. Um, and then you know how to kind of put maybe boundaries in place around that time um, for yourself. So I think learning your body um, and learning, especially as a woman with a porn addiction or an addiction to sex, learning how to understand your sexuality in a healthy way, mm-hmm. framed in a healthy way. Because I think one thing that leads sometimes women to to um, pornography is you're kind of taught, especially if you're like from a religious background or you're from a very traditional home, no matter what culture you're from, mm-hmm. um, you can often times not get taught how to have a healthy understanding of your sexual feelings. Um, and we've talked about this in the Let's Talk About Sex episode and um, past episodes in season one, but if you're not taught how to engage with your sexual desires in a healthy way and how to actually see them not as negative and not as something that needs to be hidden, but more so as something that is a part of who you are and which you can express healthily even if you are single Mm -hmm. and whatever healthy is to you oftentimes you can fall into a pornography addiction because you just need this outlet that you can keep quiet right in the sense that like if I haven't had a a mentor or a parent or an aunt or someone a sister around me who can say these feelings are completely normal you know I may feel like why am I having these crazy feelings? Especially when you're young, mm. right? Why am I having these crazy feelings of like what we were talking about when we were listening to, um, when we were in our early teens and Chris Brown's Take You Down um, video came out and it's like, you just Ooh, realize, wow, I'm, a, I'm, I'm attracted to men. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> you have this kind of awakening <laughs> of puberty, which is, I, I find men attractive mm. and this attraction has gone way past oh he's cute he has a nice face let me put his poster on my wall to some things are tingling (laughs) (laughs) let's keep it 100% real that that makes this transition especially when you then become exposed to sexual content right because before it's like you can see a boy he's cute but what happens when you stumble across or you you watch in a movie or in a book Mm -hmm. sexual content Mm -hmm. which then your body responds to yep in a way that you've never had a response to anything before. Mm-hmm. How mm-hmm. do you, I feel like that is a very pivotal experience, which if you do not have healthy people around you, and this is why we need to have a culture of openly talking about sex without shame. Yeah. Cause if you don't have people around you who won't shame you into knocking those feelings, you know, back inside a box, it's so easy. If you have people around you who are free with their conversation about sex, it then makes you feel like these feelings are not weird. Yeah. I just need to learn how to healthily deal with them. Mm -hmm. If you have people around you who will shame you into hiding them away, Mm -hmm. you're going to do everything in privacy. Mm -hmm. You're going to do everything in secret and the tone of everything you do will be shame. Right. So I think if, if women are taught how to healthily engage with their bodies, healthily understand their bodies without shame, without feelings of it constantly being taboo. Yeah. And that's not to say like encourage your, your daughters to, uh, you know, or your sis, little sisters to fornicate and to, <laughs> to, to masturbate and do all of these things. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is there is a way to healthily understand your body 
without having to do all of those things. Yeah. Do you get what I mean? Yeah. But how we engage with that, do we take enough time to think about that and, and engage with it so that when somebody does have those sexual feelings, we can help them understand it without feeling like that's a part of themselves they're just going to have to ignore till they get married. Or hide. Or hide till they or get married. Hide. Yeah, no, I completely hear that. And I think, oh goodness, there was just so many bells ringing off in my head as you were speaking um firstly it had it reminded me of a poem that I read a really long time ago that rattled me at the time Mm. because it really spoke to my um situation and it goes like this don't be fooled by me don't be fooled by the faces I wear for I wear a mask a thousand masks masks that I'm afraid to take off and none of them is me Mm. and I feel like when you're dealing it's a gorgeous poem um I feel like when you're dealing with addiction sometimes it can feel like the faces that you present to the world are fake Mm. and it feels like the things that you're dealing with in private are the real you wow and I just want to encourage anyone out there that's dealing with any sort of addiction, whether it's a sex addiction, addiction, alcohol addiction, drug mm. addiction, whatever addi- food addiction, just because you're dealing with an addiction, that's not the fullness of your authentic self. So good. And it doesn't mean that that everything else that you do is a lie. That's mm. literally one thing that you're dealing with. Because sometimes it can like become so all consuming that you feel yes. like you're even a bad person yes. for dealing with these. You yes. become so, you feel so guilty about it. Yeah. Or or you just feel really, really bad about yourself. And oftentimes, as we were speaking about earlier on in um, the episode, the reason why we become addicted is not necessarily just because of the instant gratification, but as a means of escape. Mm. And some of us are dealing with real trauma. Yeah. So I think, again, sp- particularly as women, there is a culture of hiding, burying, yeah. not bringing to light and... That's why for us, TMS is so important because we really want to cultivate a space where sister to sister, friend to friend, we can say, listen, this is what I'm dealing with and I need your support and I need your help to not only help me overcome this, but also to remind me that I'm a full person Mm. and that this isn't all I am. Yeah. So I think, I think it's just so, so important to remember that just because you're dealing with something right now, that doesn't mean that that's all you'll ever be. Or like that's the end of the line for you there's always like you know a silver lining there's always a light at the end of the tunnel especially when you're dealing with an addiction that you might have been dealing with for years because Mm. sometimes it's not even just a a monthly thing or like a yearly thing but over the course of like a period of years people can be dealing with addiction yeah and there literally is light at the end of the tunnel so it's super super important to remember that and really tap into the communities around you to help you like our biggest wish for not even just this podcast but this community is that you find your sisters yes you find your sisters and like i such a um what do you call it moist moment but i can't imagine how i would have been able to overcome some of the addictions that i was dealing Mm. with without having someone like you around Mm. like even your transparency around i know it's moist oh god (laughs) You know, guys, you already you already know me. I'm not out here being moist like this. But being able to say, look, Courtney, this is actually what I'm dealing with. Mm. Or for you to not even... Like, it doesn't even have to be a conversation between yeah. us. But yeah. seeing your own legacy of transparency, mm. for me, made it a lot easier for me to share the crap that I'm dealing with too. Oh, so what Thank I God. really... And what we both really wish for everyone listening is to find 
somebody or a community yeah. to be able to do that with. Yeah. And I, I, I love what you said about a lot of us are going through stuff and we've been through stuff, been you know? Mud. And it's not just about finding this community who can help you when things have hit the fan. Mm, and it's mm. like, oh, I've got this addiction and woo, don't know where to go apart from a psychiatrist, <laughs> you know? But actually realizing that I need a group of sisters, I need a group of friends, I need um, a, a community around me who can help me process the trauma and who can mm-hmm, help mm. me process the pain and the things that got me here in the first place because it's so easy to do damage control but I think we need to have um spaces where we can do like crisis prevention and like before we have to even get to that (laughs) point let's talk openly about the things that will make you feel like you need to escape Mm. and let this relationship let this um community be a space where you can leave all these things on the table and you can process through them in a very healthy open way um because I think a lot of uh, one of the biggest themes that addiction is sustained by is loneliness Mm. feeling like you're by yourself you're fighting these demons on your own having a community a sisterhood a brotherhood whatever it is um because i know you men are still listening (laughs) (laughs) understanding that a community can help dispel that feeling of loneliness Mm, mm. um in in you dealing with your issues and dealing with childhood trauma or pain or disappointment whatever it may be yeah um or even having a healthy place where you can celebrate so that you don't have to go to these things food alcohol whatever you go to to as forms of celebration um, having a community around you is is massively important so get plugged into one don't be don't be on your own don't be out here on your own yeah. and also I mean we've dug into this a little bit in our broken from the womb um episode in mm. season one but also understanding that sometimes these things can be cyclical and generational yes, too yes yes like we often think of you know our own generation yeah. when we think about addiction and stuff like that but some of us have issues that our family has been dealing with collectively for a really long time literally and even certain addictions there's there's studies out there of having like a biological predisposition to having an addiction of some kind um so understanding what you're up against or or what factors are in your um in your blood (laughs) it's in in the blood in the blood like um that could set you up to go through these struggles and actively put things in place um that help you stay away from them because addiction can be life ruining honestly life like i i mean some of the consequences i've lost certain relationships Mm. but also just had unhealthy perceptions of people of myself of sex of relationships um that if not dealt with you know thank god at an earlier stage of my youth would have ruined so many things yeah yeah a hundred percent a hundred percent and yeah, just making sure that you have those conversations, that you're aware of how these things are manifesting in your life as yeah. a result of, you know, maybe some of the choices or some of the traumas that your parents or the people mm. that are closest to you have also been going through. So good. Um, yeah, but unfortunately, sisters, <laughs> we have come to that point in our episode where we must say farewell for now. For now. For now. We'll be back very soon. Yeah. So please, please do let us know 
what you have to say about dealing with addiction mm. we know this is a pretty sensitive topic so feel free to send us a dm or send us an email instead yeah and we will happily keep you anonymous but otherwise as always you can always always hit us up on our instagram page it's really popping at to my sisterhood and come say hi to us personally on our pages at cd boateng and at renee kapuku or you can tweet us with the hashtag to my sisters and join the sisterhood by signing up for our weekly newsletter so we can grow and glow together we will talk to you very soon and remember keep glowing and growing mom deserves better than a drugstore card This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com